it simple, keep it small. And there will be enough for all. Take a little, give a lot. Thank Mother Earth and Father Sky for what you've got. Hi, everyone, and welcome to the Green Woman Podcast. I'm your host, Reggie, and a member of the Green Woman Tribe, which is created from the Healthy Woman, Healthy Earth Organization. And we are women wrapping our lives around making a difference in the world. First, I would like to apologize that I have not been able to record a podcast for the past several weeks due to taking some time for a vacation, and then I came down with a nasty cough with a lot of clear phlegm. I took a test. It wasn't COVID. I called my doctor, and she said there's this new sort of virus going around where you just get a lot of clear mucus with a cough, and that's what I've had. So I've been nursing myself back to help and hoping I can get through this podcast without a coughing spell. So here we go. During this time um, when I was on vacation and had this cough, I had some downtime, obviously, I started reading a book called Dirt, A Love Story. It's edited by Barbara Richardson. The book consists of short essays written by various authors on the subject of dirt. I was so intrigued with them. And it's there's so many facets to know about dirt. In addition, I've been seeing and hearing so much information about adding more plant based foods to our diet to help heal our guts and our bodies overall, and eliminating those processed foods that so many of us eat. So you might want to start growing some of your own vegetables in your garden. So we're going to talk about that. With the spring season a month away, many of us are beginning to think of what we want to plant, how we're going to make our gardens, and being in the midst of a climate crisis and shortages of water for many, it may be a challenging year ahead. So I would like to read you the essay titled Hostile Takeovers and Own to Guts and Garden by Laura Pritchard. The location is beautiful and the soil sucks. I live below the first buckle of foothills of Colorado's Rocky Mountains, waves of mountains to the west and grasslands in the all other directions. The only problem, the dirt is as bad as the view is good. Instead of the deep brown rich soil that other locations on the planet naturally enjoy, this soil is composed of sand and clay, but even worse, underneath the thin top layer of soil that supports all the glorious grama and blue stem and sage is, well, rock, rock and more rock. It's good that the view is so inspirational because it has given my family patience during the past 10 years of trying to foster soil that was gardenable. Like many people, we have been busy and harried. We also had a vague but purposeful plan, building the soil that would foster vegetables, vegetables that would foster good health. More or less, this all worked in a haphazard way. Despite the weeds, the drip irrigation system that often needed revamping, and the persistent plentiful deer 
we did, in fact, usually end up with a nice crop of veggies. Pumpkins for Halloween, squash enough to last all winter, cucumbers enough for salads, tomatoes to eat, and then sun-dry and, of course, enough zucchinis in to give to unwilling neighbors. But then catastrophe struck. It struck in the way that catastrophe often does with unrelated chaotic events. My catastrophe included a septic tank, a bulldozer, an infected tooth, and antibiotics. From the chaos of all that, I learned to sing song of praises to microorganisms both in my garden and in my gut. It started with an ice storm, which froze the ground, which caused the septic tank to burble out foul-smelling contents in the middle of the winter. The appropriate people were called, a new septic tank was in order, and would cost nearly $10,000 and more painfully would need to be moved because of the new regulations. The only place to put it, they said, was where the garden bed now sat. After years of amending the soil in this huge area, we had finally achieved something that looked more brown and rich and fertile. Having all that soil dug up made me consider extreme options, such as never flushing the toilet again. But then, voila, I had the excellent idea to ask the gentlemen to save this stuff they could scrape out and bulldoze it to the side or something, right? But no, the crew came while I was gone on a short errand, and before I returned, our hard-earned soil was buried in a huge pit many feet below the surface of the ground. All that good dark brown soil, so far, far away. I stood on top of the rocky parent material, as it is called, and stared down at it as if my vision might penetrate and bring up the good dark soil below. The stuff below me had no organic material, no nothing. The 10 chickens who followed me out there looked up at me. Then they looked down at the crappy soil and looked up at me again. Not even they liked this soil. No bugs in it. Nothing really to do except take a dirt bath. The golden retriever sniffed it and looked up at me equally unimpressed. People who live in such areas will understand my sorrow. All those pickup loads of horse manure, chicken manure, cow manure, any kind of soil we could get our hands on, kitchen compost, chicken scratching, even moving worms from the street into our garden with the hopes that they would tunnel and loosen the compacted soil, and also just to get them off the street. And now, doing all that again, it made me want to weep. But I didn't have time because I also had an aching face soon after the septic tank repair and yes, nearly $10,000 later, the correct two teeth had been identified, root canal, infected, my gums cut and stitch, infected again, a perforated sinus cavity, gums cut and stitched again, which required round after round of antibiotics which caused my stomach to hurt because my good microorganisms had been killed too. My guts were as barren as the dirt outside. Welcome to the land of hostility, I thought to myself. 
When things look bad, I figure a person can curl up in a ball of sorrow or they can stand defiantly and shake their fist at the skies. I opted for the second and I became obsessed with fixing both. Indeed, these two problems, the barren garden dirt, the barren guts became related, not only in the sequence of time, but via the very core of the way they function. Indeed, soil fertility and human health are directly related. And the word human, after all, is related to humus, meaning earth or soil. As I discovered, we humans are just beginning to understand exactly what that means. Both the human gut and the layer of dirt are in some ways still unexplored territory. It's complicated in there. There are 100 trillion bacterial cells in a human body, 10 times the number of human cells. About five pounds of your body weight is bacteria. There are 100 million to 1 billion bacterial cells in one teaspoon of healthy soil, which reminds me of Leonardo da Vinci, and he stated, we know more about the movement of the celestial bodies than about the soil under our foot. Acclaimed science writer Michael Pollan's essay, Some of My Best Friends Are Germs, for example, discussed the role of microorganisms in our guts and the new science that suggests that autoimmune diseases are related to a disruption in the relationship between our bodies and their old friends. Like garden dirt, our guts need microorganisms. To summarize a long, complicated ode to these little bugs, I'd just say that due to our farming and eating and kitchen practices, we aren't getting the good, broad spectrum of bacteria anymore. Also, these little bugs need upkeep. Part of that has to do with soil. So first, I turn my attention to the soil. As someone who is always a little too busy and a little haphazard, I have never quite known what exactly I'm supposed to be doing to my garden dirt. I never been one of those organized who have had the pH measured or whatever hyper and vigilant people do. But I know instinctively that garden dirt is supposed to be brown and rich and full of nutrients and soil microbes and organic matter. I know when my tomatoes don't come up that something is wrong. Okay, sometimes it's the deer, but more often it's the soil. Although I may not know the specifics, I have pretty strong opinions about the general gist. Stewarding good soil is, I think, one of our jobs as humans. Fostering humus is fostering humanity. The more humus, the more fertile the soil is. Indeed, humus is the most critical aspect of soil composition. It's that spongy, amorphous substance and is basically organic matter. If I closed my eyes and pictured a forest floor in Oregon or something, all those layers of fallen leaves and plant and animal debris falling and decaying, that's humus. Humus is considered by some scientists to be the greatest water management and conservation tool available to us. Humus protects plant roots from drought, salt, temperature, and disease, and it is also radically stimulates microbes. And that is not what I had. 
So we started again, food scraps out to the compost bin, compost bin turned and watered, compost spread. Sometimes though, I just cheated and I have discovered that it's not such a sloppy practice after all. And I took non-meat food scraps straight out of the garden and I dumped them. Also, we brought in good old manure from the family ranch, the chicken scratch and scattered. Slowly over the course of the winter and into spring, things started to decay. We rototilled, threw more food waste on, rototilled again. By spring, the parent material looked at least semi-gardenable. Meanwhile, I was trying to help out the little bugs repopulating in my guts. The microorganisms in our bodies can use a little help too. They do more than digest food. The little creatures in our digestive tract play a role in our immune cells and our overall health. This too is an unexplored territory, and science is just now beginning to understand the importance of the creatures that live inside us. One fascinating fact I discovered from Poland, our gut bacteria play a role in the manufacturing of substances like neurotransmitters, enzymes, and vitamins, including important amino acids and short-chain fatty acids. But more than that, they help regulate our stress levels and even temperament. As Poland points out, when gut microbes from easygoing, adventurous mice were transplanted in the guts of anxious and timid mice, the mice became more adventurous. Also, here's another cool fact. In the gut microbes in locusts that cause locusts to swarm, the microbes release chemical signals that cause the locusts to physically change in shape and develop a radical new behavior. The expression thinking with your gut may contain a larger kernel of truth than we thought. As per usual, I wish I were one of those vigilant people who was organized and kept track of everything she put in her body, but no such luck. I figured if I haphazardly put good stuff into it, all would be well, more or less. But as we all know, personal crisis can induce change and fast. As I moved from clindamycin to z to others, pus pockets formed on my gums and the seriousness of my predicament started to grow. My stomach really hurt as the yeast colonized and conquered, as my microbes died. I didn't really know what was going on in the dark cavity inside, but I did know how much my stomach woes really are painful and life-limiting. The scariest part of this war was that I learned about the long-term consequences of antibiotic use. One course of antibiotics may bring shifts in the relative population of the various species of bacteria in our guts, but usually the guts can recover. Several rounds of antibiotics, though, can change your gut forever. In extreme cases, some individuals need a fecal transplant, which involves, yes, Getting someone else's poop into a sick person's gut. No thanks. That poop transplant motivated me to nurture the health of my microbiome. So I got serious and I got simple, obeying the most basic truth about healing the gut. To heal the gut flora, you have to repopulate your system with good bacteria and return the gut to pre-antibiotic levels of beneficial microbes. My mission to repopulate my guts began with figuring out how to do just that. Basically, I eliminated some foods and I ate a lot of others. 
The first things to get rid of I discovered are sugar and processed foods. And the first things to eat, yogurt and other foods with prebiotics and probiotics. This pre being the more important of the two. I ate garlic and lemon because I like them. I ate beets, sauerkraut, even though I don't. And yes, I went back out to the garden. I picked out the rocks, turned the soil, and as soon as it was warm enough, I planted unique things for me. Artichokes, not so easy to grow in Colorado, and all the usuals, and of course, zucchini. I planted marigolds to keep out the pests. I transplanted raspberries to new patches, started a new grapevine, put in a new peach, apricot, cherry, and apple trees, tried again for strawberries, but those deer just won't leave them alone. Luckily for me, gardening is a good idea for guts. Fresh veggies and dirt have the little microbes we need. Indeed, some healthcare professionals argue for relaxing the sanitary regime in our homes, encouraging folks to watch their veggies less and spend more time in dirt and with animals, thereby deliberately increasing their exposure to the Grand Pantina. In the end, the Pantina solved both problems, and pretty quickly too. Within a few months, the garden soil was strong. Of course, we'll need to keep on amending the soil, but it wasn't the huge chore I had feared, a few months rather than a decade. It was not so hard to parent the parent material after all, and this good soil had a cascading effect. My chickens wandered around the yard, for example, looking for sun-drunk more pleased with the bugs in the dirt, and their eggs tasted even better. My health too rapidly improved. The two problems eventually got solved. The stomach ache between my breastbone quit hurting. And as soon as one feels good, well, that leads to a cascade of good things too. More smiles, more energy, more plants in the garden. But while the body and garden are back to normal, I'll never quite be the same. For a mere $20,000, I sometimes joke, I have had a crash course in the deep appreciation of the power of microbes to do their dance of health. I lost my oblivious to the ways in which I should always nurture both. Even those who are a bit rock-hearted can become as soft as humus. I now feel it in my bones. We are from the soil and we'll go back to the soil. And while we're here, we can work to steward both. Now that it's summer, I've been standing in my garden, watching the sunset over the blue waves of the foothills in my little valley. The garden has offered up plenty. I have been drying, freezing, and eating a lot of fresh and beautiful color veggies. Peaches, apples, cucumbers, my fridge and freezer are full, my belly is full, my life is full. The deer sometimes walk by and pause and watch me watching them. A bear has been spotted wandering by. The golden retriever pounces around the yard, leaping at the occasional falling yellow cottonwood leaf, and the chickens wander happily. All of it mixed together. The view, the garden, the body, the life strikes me as the Grand Pantina, a great palette of color and mystery, a territory no longer hostile, a home. Well, I have to agree with the essay. 
Like I mentioned before, so much information is arising in the areas of fixing and healing our guts as well as our brains, as there is a connection between the gut-brain barrier. Eating a variety of fresh vegetables, eliminate processed foods and sugar, and possibly growing our own gardens. And if you can't or you don't want to grow your own vegetables, you can go to your local farmers. They are very plentiful and support the good that they do for our soil and our guts. I will put the information about the book in the description of the podcast, and I really hope you get a chance to read the entire book, for we really need to clean up our soil, the water, and the air that we breathe. We are already having catastrophic events happening in our world, and besides climate crisis events, but one of my theories relating to mental health is that our poor eating habits, which we know the gut and the brain are connected, are contributing to our increase in mental outbreaks. Our food, water, and air are loaded with thousands of chemicals. Our soils are deficient, and we are at a time that our bodies cannot handle the load anymore. Hence, more viruses, debilitating diseases, mental breakdowns, and the list goes on. Now, I would like to leave you with a quote by David Suzuki, so pertinent to the subject. If we pollute the air, water, and soil that keep us alive and well, and destroy the biodiversity that allows natural systems to function, no amount of money will save us. As always, I would like to give you a big thank you for tuning in and listening. If you enjoyed this episode, please share the podcast, tell a friend, download and subscribe. We can be found on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Amazon Music, to name a few. Until next time, stay informed, be healthy, live green, and become an activist for your own health. The health of your family and the health of Mother Earth are true home. Keep it simple. Keep it small And there will be enough for all Take a little Give a lot Thank Mother Earth and Father Sky For what you've got